You're listening to the Chapel Students Podcast. Welcome to it. Welcome back to it. I'm your host, KJ Julian. It's great to be here. This is the Chapel Students Podcast. Man, this summer has been one for the record books. I'll tell you, it's crazy what God is doing in our church and in our community. I'm just pumped to be a part of it. But today, you are in for a real treat. Our guest on the pod today is an incredible leader, gifted speaker, and friend of mine, Dr. Chinwei Williams. She is a licensed and board-certified therapist and owner of Meaningful Solutions Counseling and Consulting in Atlanta, Georgia. She has most recently served as an associate professor, college and high school counselor, clinical therapist, and executive coach. She is also a consultant for schools, nonprofit, faith-based, and corporate work settings. Her expertise lies in areas of stress and anxiety management, trauma recovery, the intersection of faith and mental health, as well as youth and women's wellness. Dr. Williams has previously taught graduate counseling students at Georgia State University, Argosy University, University of Central Florida, and Rollins College, and is a member of the Licensed Professional Counselors Association and an active member of the American Counseling Association. On top of all of that, you guys, Dr. Williams is also a published journal author and a frequently featured expert blog and podcast contributor on topics related to child, adolescent, and adult mental health and parenting. Dr. Williams, thank you so much for joining me today on the Chapel Students Podcast. Oh, Pastor KJ, I am so glad to be here with you. Um, I remember meeting you and your lovely wife and the parents of your student body uh, not too long ago, and that has left a lasting impression. Uh, So I'm thrilled to be here. How's Atlanta going? We're in the middle of the summer now. It's a trillion degrees, I'm sure. You're just outside of Atlanta, right? We are just outside, just north, um, about 30 miles north of Atlanta, and it's a trillion degrees, but it's also overcast because I think we're getting part of that weather system. Is it Elsa that's in Florida Yeah, right Elsa. Now? I wonder if they named that before Frozen or after <laughs> just to bank on the fam- like the famous name. I know, but I don't want them to give Frozen's Elsa a bad name. I want it to just be smooth and beautiful. Like it'd be interesting. Was. It'd be interesting to see if uh, Frozen sales like happened to spike during this hurricane because I like everyone's just got Elsa on the mind. I wonder. Top of mind, yeah. I would love to see those stats. Do you Absolutely. guys? Do you guys start school soon, or do you guys wait till after Labor Day or before? It's too soon. It's too soon. Like it feels like summer just began and our kids are going back the first week in August. So um, the first week in August, it's ridiculous. Yes. There's some, there's some school systems that go back the second week of August, but that's it. And yeah, it is. We can't think about that. We're staying in the here and now pastor KJ. Wow, we uh we always do post Labor Day like the Tuesday right after, but this year our county just decided to do the middle of August and it's throwing everyone off. I don't want to remind students that they have like a month left of summer cuz that would just depress them, but yes. uh I can't even believe that is just the craziest thing, the shortest summer ever. 
Yeah, speaking of despair, right? <laughs> oh, that's right. Well, yeah, we can just jump right into it. Totally. That's an amazing segue. You just co-authored a book with Will Hutcherson from Curate Hope entitled Seen, Healing Despair and Anxiety in Kids and Teens Through the Power of Connection. I was wondering if you could tell me a little bit about the book and why you wrote it. Absolutely. And I love Will. And by the way, Will is a next gen youth pastor, amazing speaker. I I think many of your students will remember him from um, a little while ago, but uh, he and I were called to write this book because his ministry is mental health and suicide Mm. prevention and awareness. And so is mine. Um, He comes at it from a a slightly different angle. My work is much more clinical, but speaking of clinical, what we are learning, and by the way, KJ, this is pre-pandemic, is that kids and teens, students are experiencing the highest rates of anxiety, depression, despair out of any other demographic um, in our country. But here's the thing. I don't know if any of your listeners are familiar with Pastor Dave Adamson. If you're not, follow him on IG. He's amazing. He's currently in Australia. We call him Aussie Dave. He and I were having a conversation. He he teaches a Hebrew word every single day, and he's like super cool. But he and I were having a conversation. He's while in Australia just yesterday. And he was saying that the mental health rates among youth are the same in Australia. Wow. Yeah. And I've got cousins and I've got uncles that live in Canada. They're seeing the exact same thing in London. And so this is a global issue. And of course, why wouldn't it be? We're all connected through the world wide web, right? We're connected to a certain extent you know, culturally, one aspect of culture through social media. So this is something that hits um, on so many levels from an international perspective. But to bring it home, I just want to share just a couple of stats that may or may not surprise some of your listeners. So per CDC, yes, per CDC. So that's our organization here in the U.S., 7.1% of kids and students age, and I get this, KJ, three years old to 17 years old. Three years have, old. Yes, have diagnosed anxiety. So that's approximately 4.4 million kids and students have oh not just worry, not just stress, not just I'm having a rough day, but they meet criteria diagnostically for clinical anxiety. Wow. Yeah. That's so that, crazy. That is a big deal. And depression is right there. Depression is right there. We've got 3.2% in our nation of kids aged, kids and students aged 3 to 17. That's almost 2 million people here in the U.S. have diagnosed depression. Um, and for girls, that number jumps twice as much. So re- research shows that one in four girls experience anxiety. So It's a big deal. And so with these numbers that have been rising, and as I mentioned, way before the pandemic, um, parents and youth pastors and youth leaders and small group leaders are wanting to help, but they just aren't sure how to. So Kajan, let me give you just a quick kind of example from, you know, uh, a conference that I attended. You're very familiar with the Orange Conference. Love it. 
Yes, they're amazing, the folks at Orange. And so, and they're publishing our book, but I attended a conference and I spoke really briefly about depression. It was actually a panel discussion. Mm. I was on for 15 minutes, jumped off stage, grabbed my purse, grabbed my cell phone, was about to run to another meeting. And I got hit with a wall of people. I am not famous, you guys. I am not a big deal. There were a lot of people there that were a big deal, but I was the resident therapist. And when I tell you 18, 19, 20 year old small group leaders were waiting in a line as I can't even count how many people were waiting to ask me questions about how to deal with anxiety and depression among their small group leaders, among their small group. Mm. And that's when I was like, whoa, something is, is, yeah, you hit something right there, right there. So, so our book really is a way of offering authentic, real, simple, and practical steps for not just small group leaders, but parents, um, any caring adult, anyone that wants to be um, of service to helping us kind of rid um, or manage this issue among kids and teens. That's why we wrote the book. Wow. You know, I'm halfway... I'm like halfway through this book, um, and what's crazy about it is I'm just seeing myself, like I'm saying, yes, yes, that, that, that exactly. When I'm reading it, I was like sitting on the couch alone. Thankfully, Emma wasn't nearby because she would have been like, why are you talking to yourself? But <laughs> I was I was reading it. I was like, this is something I've, I've dealt with with students in chapel students. This is a student has said this, or this is a situation that I know this small group leader has dealt with. And so... When parents have come to me and, and, you know, now like chapel students at both of our locations is growing tremendously. We've got parents coming to us being like, Hey, this is going on in my, my student's life and my daughter's life and my son's life. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know how to help them necessarily other than like, Hey, here's a counselor I can try and refer you to, or I know the, the waiting line to get into them is so long, but it's this book. I was just like, this is this is going to be such a gift to so many people. And I feel like you and Will, you just nailed, you just hit the nail on the head. I wrote down one line that I I loved so much. I think it was in like chapter four. And you said, to lead kids and teenagers, first you have to see them. When they feel seen, you win their heart. Seeing them requires us to look beyond how they behave on the outside to try and understand what they may be feeling on the inside. And I wrote that down and I said, that's student ministry in a nutshell, right there. That is student ministry, which makes me just feel so much more excited for the rest of this book because I'm like, this is exactly like, if you guys have that heart and you just get it like that, then this book is just going to be tremendously helpful for any, like you said, caring adult, pastor, parent who wants to help make a difference in the life of a hurting teenager. Yeah, KJ, that I I love that you read that line and that it stood out to you. And if you think about it, just as a as a pastor, when you're preparing your message, um, you know this, like to motivate change, change that is transformational. You don't do that with facts and figures. So those things help, and those things are important, and that's left brain things, right? Yes. But you you really do try to connect with people based on 
how they're doing in the moment, what they might be experiencing before you bring them to hope. And our hope is always in our Redeemer, um, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You want to know what's going on with them. And so that's where we reach people. We reach them through their heart. Absolutely. Yes. Empathy. What trends are you seeing in mental health in teens right now? Like what is standing out to you in the world that you're involved in? Yeah, well, I'm seeing a whole lot of anxiety, a whole lot of um, worry about uh, what's coming up next. So we have brains that get adjusted and get accustomed to what's happening in the present. And so even when we remember doing life as, as, as normal, um, it's hard to kind of shift from everything is completely wide open. And let's be clear, depending on where you are in the country, things were probably more open than in other areas of the world. But totally. this fall, I think it's going to be different. Yes. So I'm hearing a lot from 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 families. I'm hearing a lot from students uh, that so much has changed in the lives of families and students in the past year that they're just not so sure what's going to happen in the fall. So yes, feelings of loneliness and isolation are uncomfortable. Doing school online was weird. Having to sit six (laughs) feet apart when you're, you know, coming to the chapel to do things and having to, you know, use hand sanitizer and masks, all of that was like odd. Yes. People are still kind of nervous about like, but what is really going to be happening, especially as we hear a little bit more about the, you know, the variants and all of that. But I got to tell you, so phasing back into things after we've kind of been out of it for so long is going to be another adjustment. But here's the thing. I'm also hearing about pre-pandemic things that kids and families and students are worried about. Connection, relationships, uh, my parents, you know, are, are thinking about separating. My parents just lost um, one of my parents just lost a job. My grandmother is sick. I have a relationship that I'm in as a student that just doesn't feel right. And I'm not sure what to do about it. So those are the things that I'm seeing in my clinical practice. That, that's so right, because it's very easy right now, I think, to look at the pandemic and be like, kids are anxious and there's depression because of the pandemic. But I think they were already they were already feeling all these things beforehand. This just amplified it. Oh, gosh. Anxiety and depression among youth was the pandemic <laughs> prior oh, to the pandemic. Wow. It, no, seriously, KJ, it was considered an epidemic, an epidemic in our country and globally, anxiety in particular. So, wow. of course, we were dealing with this stuff before COVID. Why do you think we're seeing so many youth facing despair and depression and anxiety? Like, what do you think is the main cause of some of this? Oh, KJ, that is the big question, isn't it? Yes. Um, And it's an important one. And I got to tell you, and I try try not to do this, especially on podcasts, because, you know, people just want to hear, you know, the simple, straightforward answers. But the truth is, it's complicated. There are so many different factors. So I got to tell you that the pressures have absolutely increased. And when I talk to parents really across the country, they're like, really, is it really more so? Because when we were kids, we dealt with bullying. When we were kids, we dealt with pressures. We dealt with 
anxiety. We dealt with kids that were mean. And yes, all of that stuff is true. And it's also true that our kids are dealing with so much more than um, our parents dealt with. And so I think the number one thing is just the pressure to be successful, the pressure to be the absolute best at everything you do. The, our kids were taught that they, our students were taught that they can do anything, right? The world is their, you know, they have the world at their fingertips. And so sometimes I think students get the message that, well, if I can do everything and anything, then I better try and I better be the best at it. And that bar is so high that it feels oftentimes really impossible to reach. And so you see these expectations in academics, you see these pressures in sports, you see these pressures um, with relationships. And I think kids put a lot of pressure on themselves to figure out what they're going to do for the rest of their life when they're 15 years old, sometimes right. even younger, right? Are you seeing any of that? Yeah. The, I remember even being in high school or whatever, and it's just always, what are you going to do? What's like, you're, you're never really able to be present in the moment. It's always what's next. And yes. that pressure just is unreal, especially, especially now, like, you know, when I first entered into student ministry, I went to a four-year uh, college. I went to James Madison University here in Virginia. And to go to like a, a community college was like frowned upon. And then, mm. you know, 10 years later, whatever, I'm I'm in student ministry and I'm like, where are you going to college? They're like, oh, definitely community college. I'm like, oh, really? And they're like, yeah, I'm not going into debt. I'm saving my money. And like, it was the, the narrative totally shifted over totally time. Shifted. And I was yeah. like, wow, these they're just terrified of the debt their parents are in the debt that my generation's in and they just don't want anything to do with it. And just little things just drive, can drive people into like a paranoia anxious, you know, wreck. And I see students that, you know, we don't really have like the whole, like, Oh man, we're competing with sports and this and this, like we don't lose like a ton of students to sports, but I know that all these students are trying to be involved in so many extracurriculars to make, mm to make, uh, you know, an impression, to build their yes. resume, to look better than the rest of the student body. And it's always yeah. like keeping up with the Joneses sort of thing. The competition. And, yes. yes. And that can just drive you. And especially in a, I hate to say it because it's so easy to fall on this, but in the social media world, it's like you <laughs> yes. keep up with what you see and everyone's just convinced that everyone's living their best life. But social media is just a highlight reel and it's, people are still having difficult days and they might be smiling at the beach with their, you know, with their best friends and this and this, but they still have real problems going on and real issues that they're facing on their own. But it's harder for everyone to just be up front and showcase that, you know, that's exactly right. We don't know that right before that picture was taken, that they got into a huge fight with their best friend. 100%. And, and after the, after the picture was taken, they, they're not speaking to one another. So that's so true. And, and I do think that we should mention social media. It's not the issue. Oftentimes we go there as adults, but, um, 
it's it's a part of the issue. It doesn't really help. Right. It complicates things exactly based on what you just said. And we're all connected. A lot of times I think students get, you know, point the finger gets pointed at them like, oh, you're so connected. Well, your the parents are connected. We're yep. all connected. And it's not a yep. bad thing. I'm sure you've seen social media as a beautiful way to do ministry. I know it's an I awesome have. tool. Yes. It's a beautiful tool, right? For me to get the especially this past year for me to get the word out about mental health awareness um, and reducing the stigma. But what happens, at least with the students that I counsel, and this is what they tell me directly, is when they're always connected, it's easy to compare themselves to their peers, which is exactly what you said. And then they have that pressure to keep up and then they begin to measure their worth um, by how many likes they get on their posts. And did you know that Instagram took away the likes and then they brought it back? Yeah, they changed. Yeah, they changed that algorithm thing so that it wouldn't be as much of a competition for I, I do remember reading an article about that. Yeah, yeah. And so part of it is they were hearing the same thing from parents and folks that were part of the organization that had students that had teenagers and they were like, look, this is really impacting my kid at home. If they don't get enough likes on something that they post, they somehow see it as a reinforcement because that's what happens in the developing teenage brain that they see it as a reinforcement that somehow they're not good enough. Wow. And that is just not true. So that's the, that's where it's not being connected. It's, it's not just being connected. It's the comparison and the pressure and the message that the teenage brain gets when it gets validation from likes. Wow. And so you kind of even, I think you just, segue into my next question, which what can parents or youth leaders or other caring adults do to help students? So if you have any kind of things you want to just rattle off, because like you said, like parents are saying, my kid finds validation in this. Like how can a parent help make a difference in the life of a teenager who's struggling with some of this stuff? Yeah. You know how you always hear um, other adults say that parents need to talk more to their kids (laughs) or to their teenagers. Yeah. I'm okay with talking. But by the way, as a therapist, my superpower is listening. So talk to your, as parents and caring adults, talk to your team, talk to your students, but listen more. And when you listen, when you show up, which is pausing, which is putting our phones down, which is showing up when it's not convenient, showing up when it's on their terms, then we're really able to pause and listen for behaviors, listen, or excuse me, listen for emotions and listen for signs that really show that your teen or student isn't doing well. Um, And so that is part of it. I I do a lot of teaching parents and, and youth leaders how to recognize the warning signs of anxiety and depression. But before we're able to spot it, we really do need to be 100% present. And so the quick and dirty answer to that, KJ, is something that you know really well, which is the ministry of presence. I'm sure you've heard of that, right? So for parents and other caring adults, you don't have to have a lot of words. You don't have to have a master's degree in psychology. Um, You don't have to be perfect. You just need to be intentional and you need to be present. That's, that's so right. And it, uh, that just, I'm like I said, halfway through this book and already I've just, 
it, this book makes it so easy for caring adults, youth pastors, parents to just step right into the life of a, a, a young adult, a student, because like you say, you guys just hammer this point home time and time again. You're like, you don't need to be some professional counselor person. You can just show up and that alone can help start this whole process of healing for students. Um, something I, I sometimes will tell parents, they'll come to me and they'll say, my, my daughter's doing this or my son's doing this and they won't listen to me and all we're doing is fighting. And, and sometimes my go-to response to them has been, question, when was the last time you just hung out together and did something fun with one another? For example, mm. when was the last time you just took them to Starbucks to get their favorite drink, took them to the movie theater? I know they've been closed, but when was the last time you watched a movie or streamed something together just for fun? When was the last time you took them to a concert to see their favorite band? When was the last time you sat down and learned about the video game that you're like, that they're just always consumed by? And they're like, well, I haven't done that in years or I haven't done that. And it's probably been a couple months. I'm like, well, here's, here's the thing. Like, I feel like right now, all they're hearing you is you you just seem like the evil, bad parent, which we, we know they're not, but it's like, man, if, if you want to build that trust and have them respect you and honor you and listen to you, I, I know that that is built so much on relationship and the strength of that bond. And oh, yes. if there, if all that has been happening lately is like a uh, authoritative disciplinary parent mode, and I'm not coming down on parents at all. I know you, there's a time for those things 100%, but I also yeah. know, like you said, there's a time for connection for yes. low, letting students know you see them and being yes. present with them and entering into just into their world and not like being afraid to step into it. And that changes everything because then you, you've earned some change in your pocket and students are like, well, yeah, my mom does love me. Like, I know she says it. I know she means it, but like today she, she really showed it. And I felt that, like, I, I feel that difference. Oh my gosh, you hit the nail. Thank you for selling this book. <laughs> Dude, I'm telling you, this is going to be so, this is so good. It's so necessary. I mean, that's it. If that, if that were the only takeaway from um, the content from this book, we are like so grateful. Um, parents have the power and it doesn't need to be complicated or overwhelming. Uh, you just need to feel you just need to connect with your student. And, and by the way, what you said is part of our message for this book. When you show up and you show up when it's inconvenient to you, you show up in the ways that matter to them. Like you said, taking them to their favorite movie, their favorite concert, taking them for Starbucks or ice cream, that helps your student to feel loved. So mm. that's huge. Relationships are so critical. And this entire book is it really hinges on that attachment, you know, that bond from a caregiver to um, a loved one, to a student, to their child is huge. But sometimes when things get chaotic and overwhelming and you, you're hit with various life circumstances, we revert to the left brain mentality of just getting things done and trying to get our kids and teens to fall in line and to be obedient and to follow the word of God. Um, all of those things are important. And as you said, there's a time for that. But in that moment when your child is hurting and even when you're hurting, if you're able to switch gears and just take a moment to pause, be present, 
and connect with intentionality, that's often what's needed in the moment. Not to say that there aren't aren't more serious things that we need to pay attention to, but um, a lot of times that's it. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. There's no way on this earth that you haven't heard of Josh Shipp. Uh, he's kind of in that <laughs> in that orange world, well. and yeah. that I recommend his book, The Grown Up Guides to Teenage Humans, all the time to parents. And he says mm-hmm. even it's just like it only takes one caring adult to make a difference in the life of a teenager or student. And yes. this like it's so cool to see all you orange orange people like it it all just holds hands with each other like his point and your point it just reinforces the point of connection of being present and showing up in the life of a teenager that's all you have to do that's it that's it and that's reinforced by attachment research neuroscience research child development theory adolescent theory so that we come back to the same thing you know we kind of attack it from different angles but that's why we keep saying the same things. And as humans, we need to hear the same thing said in a different way. Right, Pastor? Mm, That's right. (laughs) Hey, as we're kind of wrapping up, I just wanted to ask you like a couple more just hope. I mean, they're probably loaded questions, but I I know there's going to be a student listening to this that's just feeling hopeless or just feeling like they're out of resources. What would you say to a student who feels hopeless, who's feeling that despair? Yeah, thank you so much for that. So I want to speak directly to that student who is feeling some level of nothing's going to get better. And I want you to know that we wrote this book with you in mind because despair, it's almost like an old school term that, by the way, my teenagers use all the time. When we wrote this book, people were like, Despair, do people really say despair? It's written in the Bible, but do we use that language? I was like, my kids do, my teenagers do. Come on. Despair is an utter loss of hope. And it's a little bit different from depression. It's not always depression. It feels like depression sometimes because you feel unmotivated and you feel as if your circumstances can be so frustrating. Um, that it's hard to see the light at the end of the tunnel, maybe. So I know even as I'm a Jesus girl, I know that I have had times in my life where I could not even imagine that God could bring anything good, especially when I was younger, out of um, this awful situation that I was in. But I, and I, and if you're feeling that same way, I want you to know that there obviously is good news. Jesus is the hope of the world, as you know. He is our redeemer. And there's so many examples of the psalmist and David crying out to God in the middle of despair because of the hardship that they were experiencing. So you can do the same thing. Jesus wants us to turn to him and trust him and wait patiently. Get this. (laughs) Even when life feels like it's at its worst. So I always go to Jesus first. And we wrote this book, my friends, because in the meantime, we are all the hands and feet of Christ. So if you're feeling despair, I have some things I want to say to you. If you have a friend or a family member that's in despair, I know these things are going to apply. I want you to know that what you're feeling right now is valid. And I want you to know that life probably does really suck right now. So I want to acknowledge you. 
I want to express my empathy and I want you to know that um, despair can make you feel lonely and it can make you feel like no one's understanding what you're going through. Um, and I get that. Uh, if you are someone that has a friend that's going through this, maybe you can say to him or her, I know you feel alone, but I'm with you. I know you feel alone, but I'm with you. And most of all, God is with you. And KJ, just to wrap this up, because I told you I can be a little long winded. This is kind of my ministry, right? Right. Here's the other thing that I want to say to anyone who has a friend that is going through a really tough time. What you can always say is, I'm here whenever you're ready to talk or walk or go get a bite to eat or go shopping <laughs> yep. or go to a movie. <laughs> because, so right? Because despair is different from depression. Despair is really, really intense. But oftentimes it has to do with a relationship that's been disrupted or ruptured or, you know, gone to the left. Um, but to know that someone else is right there with you, they can distract you. I it was on another podcast and um, I remember being in high school. I shared this story. It's a little embarrassing, but I love it, though, <laughs> because it's so true. I was um, going through a really bad breakup um, in high school. And so, no. yeah, someone that I've been <laughs> with for years. And I, um, I don't know if I was in love, but whatever. I liked him a whole lot. We only saw each other at school because oh, it was definitely was, love then, one hundred percent. Right, right. Um, so we broke up. I was devastated, in tears, all the things, and I will never forget. Uh, a good, good girlfriend of mine said to me, "Chinway, I know you feel bad," and I thought something profound was coming after that. And she goes but you'll find another. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. She's like, life's tough. Get a helmet. Right. Right. And she goes, let's go to the mall. I go, okay. Okay. And, um, mm. I got moving that day. I moved my body. I was wow. distracted. I had a friend. I laughed that day for the first time in like a week or more. Um, so sometimes it's also like, I'm with you. I love you. God loves you. Let's go shopping. Let's get grab a bite to eat. So yeah, that's what I have to say to that. Man. Well, I would, I mean, I have so many more questions for you, but I, we're running out of time. I just want to say thank you. Thank you for being here. Thanks for lending your expertise, your wisdom. Uh, Chapel Students is better for it and I'm better for it. And in case someone wants to, uh, like keep up with you or like see more of your world, are there any ways that like students or parents or uh, youth pastors can like, how can they follow you? Are you on social? Like how, what's the best way to like keep up with Chinwe? <laughs> Absolutely. I am on social. Um, you can probably find me, um, most readily at on Instagram. So it's Dr. Dr. Period Chinway Williams, um, C-H-I-N-W-E Williams. I'm also on LinkedIn, same name. Um, I'm also on Facebook if any of you use Facebook, but Instagram is probably the um, social that I'm that I use most often. So would love to, you know, be a resource to any of you. And I would love to see you guys in person one day, honestly. 
Dr. Williams posts the most relevant content, awesome posts, easy diagrams, cool steps to like make in your own life to change things and to, you know, here are five ways you can do this or think things you can say to a friend. Like your Instagram is one of the most inspirational pages that I follow on my own. So I am really, really grateful for that. Thank you for the work you're doing, both seen and unseen to make Jesus famous in the lives of students and families. It's, it is so necessary right now. Oh, and likewise, my friend, thank you for the work that you and Emma and all the staff over at um, the chapel are doing. I'm just so, I'm, I'm blessed to to know you. Thank you. And where can, where can people get your book? Say I, I'm interested, I want to buy it. Where do I get it? Oh, absolutely. You can find our book seen um, at Amazon. You can find it also at parentq.org. Um, and if you are looking for more resources, we've got journal articles, we've got videos, we've got social media um, downloadables on our website, thescenebook.com, thescenebook.com. The Scene Book, and that's S-E-E-N. TheScenebook.com. Wow. That is amazing. Dr. Chinway Williams, thank you so much for being here. You are a gift to me and we really appreciate it. Thank you, Pastor KJ. Hope to see you at Orange soon. I got to introduce you to a friend of mine. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait. I'm so pumped for Orange 22. We're, we're coming. We're going to be there. Hey, guys, thank you so much for listening. Remember to like, comment, subscribe to this podcast, and follow us on Instagram at chapelstudents.midlow. And don't forget, Wednesdays are the best night of the week. We'll see you next time. Bye.